We want to thank Next Level Marketing for being our opening sponsor on the podcast. If you have social media that you use for marketing, you need to check out Next Level Marketing and follow them on Facebook. You can also reach them at Gary Bontrager Consulting on our website, www.garybontrager.com. They will do a free audit for you and check out what your social media, how it's performing, what loopholes there are, and how you can tighten it up and be more effective with your marketing. They will help put strategies together to use organic growth to maximize the dollars that you do spend. We appreciate them being an associate sponsor with us on this Mindset Growth Podcast and enjoy what they do for us. This is a company that we work with and we endorse, and we don't take that lightly. Today, I want to welcome you to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. I'm Gary Bontrager, your host. I have with me Heather, my co-host, and we are excited for this guest. We have been in a long time coming to have Jordan Montgomery on our show. One thing that we have really recognized with Jordan that is so wonderful and that we've learned to appreciate is the transparency of the experiences and the things that he's gone through in his life. It takes a tremendous amount of humility to just air some of your failures. And yet that's really what is so helpful and beneficial for people to grow. So with that, Heather, let's welcome Jordan Montgomery to Mindset Growth Podcast. Hey, Jordan. Good morning. Hey, Heather. Uh, Gary, so good to be with y'all. And I would just say this. I, I love what you do. I love this podcast. It's fun when you get to be a guest on a podcast that you've listened to or followed. So, um, yeah, just enjoyed the two of you sharing and, and the impact you've created and uh, consider it an honor to be with you. So thanks for having me on. Well, thank you, Jordan. A couple of things just for the audience and our listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And you can start as early as your childhood if you want to briefly touch on that, or you can talk about your, you know, your current family. And, uh, but just let people know a little bit about what you do, you know, about you personally. Well, Gary, I think you and I share this in common. And I, I should know this about Heather. Uh, Heather, you, you, you called the same area home that Gary and I have called home for a long time. I'm a little to the west, but a little to the west. Okay. Yeah, maybe a county but, over, but still, but still a little bit rural, right? Yes, right. absolutely. Okay. Yes, yeah. So, so, um, so we all share that in common. And yeah, I grew up in small town Iowa, Kelowna, Iowa, and went to Mid Prairie High School. Then went to the University of Iowa. Had a great childhood. Um, Dad was a, a blue collar business owner. Mom's a teacher. And, uh, you know, we grew up uh, in the church, came to faith at a really young age, had a lot of good role models. So I'd just say had a, had a great upbringing, you know, and, and still love to go back to Kelowna once in a while and visit. Um, still care about so many people there. But, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about my background. And when I got out of school, and I think we'll probably go there next, I got into the financial services business and there's some twists and turns that took me to where I'm at today. But uh, today I'm I'm married uh, to Ashley, my wife, Ashley, but four children, uh, three daughters, Audrey, Claire, and Olivia. And then we had a newborn son. His name is Mac, call him Mac for short. His name is McCoy. Um, and he was born a few months ago. So we live in Tiffin, Iowa, and, and we call, uh, we still call the great state of Iowa home. Well, congratulations on the new boy. That's got to be exciting. And I'm sure the sisters are happy to have another male in the house. So. I always say it's, it's like cheating, you know, like, cause our 11 year old is so helpful. 
uh, and an eight-year-old too. The three-year-old is zero help. She's right. actually <laughs> our most challenging child right now, but but it's great. Yeah, it's a, it's always a full, crazy, fun house. So always always somebody to laugh at and some somebody to do something with. One of the things that I like to visit, we ask this question to all the listeners, and I just do this because I want people to understand what successful people do. So I would like for you to share if you have a morning routine or what that looks like, and that is providing, you know, things are normal and you're not maybe traveling. Well, for so long, I've, you know, like the two of you have been a personal development junkie and, and I, I love listening to podcasts, reading books and, I'm always amazed at how many uh, leaders want to claim this, this perfect, without fail, without exception morning routine. You know, like every morning I get up, I drink 10 glasses of water, I read for two hours, and then I pray for another hour, and then I work out for three hours. Anyway, um, that is not my life. Uh, I do have a morning routine. It's not perfect, and I'll also just admit it's not entirely consistent. I would say there are two things for me this morning that uh, in, in the morning that change everything. Um, one is quality, quiet time. Usually that's time in prayer, time in reflection. So time with time in my faith, time with the Lord. Um, the second is time with my family. And if I get time in my faith with, with my God and time with my family, then usually the day starts out the right way. Uh, but some days it doesn't start out that way and it too quickly goes to work or I get distracted or I got to fly out the door or to your point, sometimes I'm traveling and that routine gets broken up. But, but my big one would be quiet time with the Lord, um, time with my kids in the morning, being helpful to my wife, you know, with four young children, I think sometimes I'm guilty of, uh, just getting to work too quickly or maybe not always being mindful of what she needs on the home front. Uh, but I'm just learning if things go well in those two areas, uh, usually life moves a little bit smoother. So that is my, uh, and, I, and I work out usually midday or in, in the end of the day. Um, but that's another, you know, daily habit that's been important. So that's my, that's my routine, Gary. Well, with small children in the house, it's impossible to expect you're going to have a daily routine. It's, it just doesn't happen. So I'm a little bit past that stage. They do grow up and they do move out of the house. They do come back and see you, and it's it's a fun stage I'm at too. But enjoy where you're at because it passes quickly, and I know every it's cliche to say. But I think at every point in life, your children are still looking for their shoes. This is what I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's true in our house. Our 11 year old struggles as much, if not more, than the three year old. But I can't find right. <laughs> Yeah, one that's of, true, Heather. One of the things we like to do is just to get people fired up and throw some odd questions out there. We just call them... Uh, a rapid fire question. Yeah, questions. rapid fire questions. So with that, you haven't had these to read, so we're going to catch you a little off guard, but it's just going to maybe uh, give give people a little bit of a raw insight to you and your past. What's the worst job you have ever had? Oh, that one's easy. Uh, it was the worst job that also probably taught me the most. People don't even believe this when I say it. Uh, I was, a, I was a garbage man. I was a, I like to tell people I was a refuse expert. Uh, and the way Positive that spin. happened, I'll give you the 30 second story. I knew, uh, the city, one of the city supervisors growing up and I thought I was going to mow lawns for the summer. He said, yeah, I'll get you a job in a rec department. You can mow lawns, sit on a lawnmower, get a tan, whatever. I was like 19 years old, thought that would be a, easy summer. I get to the interview and he says, um, all the spots in the parks department are full, but I do have a spot open in refuse. 
well, I was 19 and kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Didn't really give that much thought as to, you know, what a refuse person does. God bless him. He does people. <laughs> and so I just said, sure, I'll do refuse. I, whatever, whatever that is, you know, sign me up. And so he said, well, that's your partner, Mark, and this is your truck and you'll need to get your CDL and you can start next week. And so for one summer, Gary and Heather, I threw garbage out of the back of a truck, uh, stinky food, maggots, the whole bit. And it mm. was, uh, it was one of the, one of the craziest experiences that also taught me so much. So it was, uh, an interesting summer at 19 years old. Probably build a little motivation in there to find maybe a career path that you'd enjoy a little more <laughs> as well as build respect well, for the folks the, okay, that do it. So, so here's, here's the silver lining. This is the actual, the real benefit. I think I was forced to be around some people that I would not have otherwise mm-hmm. encountered or spent time with. And I think for all of us, you know, and I, I was just fortunate that I was kind of thrust into that opportunity. I didn't really have a choice, but as I get older, I've started to realize like I'm not as prone to move toward people who aren't like me. And I think as adults, especially as we grow older, we get more comfortable kind of in our own social circle. We have to work hard to get around people who maybe have a different yeah. perspective or a different way of looking at the world. And so for me, I just met some great, great guys, great people, um, established some cool friendships that I, that I wouldn't have otherwise had with people who yeah, had a different way of looking at things. Absolutely. And I think a lot of uh, kids, basically, when you get your first couple of jobs, if you're still a teenager, that's the, the outcome, the natural outcome of that. And I remember my first job, 14 years old, up to um, 18, I worked in uh, a deli. And I got to the point where I was training someone that was a couple decades older than me, but that became kind of a close bond too that you wouldn't have expected. So, so there's, there are nice um, benefits of stuff like that. I think every kid, Heather, should have to dig a ditch, you know, wash the dishes at the restaurant, throw some garbage. Like, yeah, I just think there's so much value in and some of those, those types of jobs. Yeah. Humble yourself a little bit. I, I feel like Come so on. much of oh, that is right. missing with our, with our youth these days. Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you have a bucket list? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly things I want to do. Um, yeah, for sure. I, you know, one would be visit Australia, the country of mm. Australia. I've never been. Love to go to Australia. Um, the other would be go to the Super Bowl. I've never been to the Super Bowl. I'd love to, love to see a Super Bowl. I could probably give you a list of things. I don't know that any of them are that unique or interesting. But uh, one, Fire one is them at us. Come on. I'm a huge live music fan. Uh, and I would love to, I would love to go to uh, CMA Fest, you know, or, or the CMAs uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. That would be – there you go. That's one thing that's maybe a little unique. Not everybody want to do that. But I, I'd, I'd love to be there. Personal experience. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. How was it? It was, it was amazing. It was hot. It was in July that year. It was after they had flooded, but I walked down a back alley and ran into Pam Tillis. I mean, come on. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. I knew I liked Heather, but I like her even more now. (laughs) She's a big music fan. Yeah. She's a big music buff. Uh, What song do you know by heart following that up then? Oh, my favorite country music song of all time, favorite song of all time is a song called Something Like That by Tim McGraw. That'd be my, my favorite. We danced to it at our wedding and, uh, well, we didn't, it wasn't a slow dance. It's kind of a faster song, but right. that's one of my greatest lifetime memories. It's a great song. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit 
And we're going to move into what you're currently doing. And uh, we'll probably bounce around a little. I don't always follow a chronological order in what has happened because I feel like when we start doing these interviews, certain things trigger conversations about different things. So one of the things that I would like for you to share with us and the audience is what is one of the best things your company does? One of the best things we do, I, I would say this is uh, I think we value people. Um, I know that sounds really basic, but I think in today's world, a lot of times um, that gets overlooked. You know, um, I think, I think leaders value people and not just people that you work with or clients that you have, but maybe get an opportunity to impact an audience that you're speaking to, or maybe a, a person who wants to learn and asks you to go to a cup of coffee to ask some questions. Um, you know, we always say to people, well, I, I value you. And people will say back, well, how do you, how do you value me? You don't really know me. And I'll say, well, I value what God created and God created you. And so therefore I value you. And uh, we're not perfect at that. There's certainly there's times where we overlook certain things or certain people or maybe fail to, to meet somebody's expectation. But I think generally speaking, our team is others focused, they're servant oriented. And um, I think that's made a difference with the doors that have opened and the opportunities that have been created. Excellent. That's a great answer. Uh, I think value it is it simplest and truest form is often overlooked. So I think we Great. live, we live in a society and it doesn't help with, you know, technology, which is wonderful, but I think so often it's what we can do to serve us and get immediate results. And it just, you know, it's just supposed to happen so quickly. And I appreciate that. I know uh, from what I know of you, that's, I, I can endorse that statement that you just made. Uh, I know you got into coaching at a young age, and there's probably a series of events that led to that. Uh, I don't care really where you go to start with that, but I know you also started in the financial uh, products world. And maybe you want to take us through that just a little bit and uh, talk about some of those things a little bit, how you ended up in coaching and what that transition looked like, just so people kind of have an understanding of why you're where you're at. Yeah, sort of an interesting journey and a, and a God thing, really. Um, didn't feel like a God thing at the time. It felt like uh, adversity and difficulty. But so many times our greatest opportunities are described as, as, as challenges. You know, we look back on them. Uh, I was 27 years old and things were going really well professionally. I was leading a large financial services firm and a team and having a decent amount of success. My influence was continuing to grow and expand and we we're just talking about this offline, Gary. I was a young leader that you would sort of refer to as uh, probably underdeveloped and overexposed. Um, I was really clear about my goals. I wasn't as clear about my values. And we've often said, if your goals are clear and your values are not, your goals might take you to a place that you never intended to go. So I was running really hard in the direction of achievement, status, um, opportunity, income. I mean, that, that just over, over time kind of became my world. It actually became like an idol in my life. And the scary thing about like um, pride or idolatry is you don't always know that it's growing, but wow, it was, it was festering. It was growing. And my calendar and the way that I spent my time would have suggested that I was working 14 hour days around the clock. I mean, I was just given all of my energy and my time to build my own kingdom. 
And um, at 27 years old, all that kind of came crashing down. It was April 1st, 2015. I got a call from my then supervisor, who I actually just got off the phone with, ironically, this morning. Um, and he, he called me and he said, Jordan, I need, to, I need to talk to you. And I was so naive that I was actually irritated at his request. I remember thinking, man, I do not have time for this. Like, I got a busy day. I got people to see, things to do. And, but then he said, well, it's the kind of meeting where you got to clear your calendar, you know? And so I need you to, I need you to see me here a little later today. At that point, did that, did that settle in yet that this may be the gravity of the situation or were you still naive to it? Gary, here's what I was thinking about. I thought, wow, one of my people really must've did something wrong. So clearly, (laughs) no, it had not settled in. Again, I was naive. I lacked awareness, self-awareness, situational awareness. So literally went to this meeting with kind of a, a lighthearted spirit, like, okay, you know, we're going to have to clean up a mess. Somebody made a mistake. I walk in and I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, uh, well, you haven't been malicious or intentional, but you've been careless and casual. And when you're casual, you create casualties. And today you're the casualty. It's going to be your last day with our firm. Um, and then he kind of went through some things that he had concerns over. And, and he was really concerned. There was a, a staff member who had taken a test on my behalf. Uh, in my pace, in my pursuit of achieving more, you know, I, I let that, I let that slip and I didn't report it when I found out about it. But I think what he really was, was more concerned with was what I just described. It was my spirit, my pace and my pride. And so, um, at that point I entered into a, to a desert season. I, my, uh, issue, my termination, my firing, I got fired, uh, was very public. Um, they sent out an email to the whole company. Uh, I had a few thousand text messages roll in within about 24 hours, calls and messages. I didn't respond to hardly any of them. I sort of just went into hiding for about a week. Uh, 30 days in a row, I, I woke up in kind of a pool of sweat, changed the bed sheets. There was more going on than just the firing. I, because of the firing, I was involved in some real estate deals that weren't set up the right way. Um, and they all went sideways. And so I didn't just lose my job, I lost all my money. I, I literally went from the penthouse to the outhouse like overnight. Oh, wow. And for a young man who found all of his identity and his achievement and status and accomplishment and bank account, um, all of that just, just rocked me from the inside out. You know, it's been said, if you live for their praise, you'll die by their criticism. Mm. And because I had built my house on a sand, it was just getting swept away, you know, in a, in a really quick and awful way. And so anyway, um, Two, two years goes by, you know, I'm, I'm in kind of a, still in sort of a desert season, rebuilding this business. I got hired back by the same company that said, well, you can come, you know, work in a different office, but your clients are going to stay with that other organization. So that's a really hard business to build once. It's, it's a very difficult business to build twice. I mean, it's right. cold calls and working with, you know, your natural market, building it from, you know, the ground up, 100% commission. I had a really generous man by the name of Tim Bohannon and Tim, entered into my life and he gave me an office space and a staff person that I could work with. Lisa Graff was her name, bless her heart. She was amazing. But he said, Hey, you're not going to speak. You're not going to lead. You're just going to, you're going to work in this office and you're going to rebuild your business and rebuild your life. So that's what I did. I just would show up to work. I'd make those cold calls. I'd try, I was trying to kind of put my life back together. Um, And I would, I would complain to Tim. I would describe how unfair everything was and he would listen uh, for quite a while, he just listened until one day he stopped listening and, and he said this, and I'll never forget this, this question he asked me. He said, this is one of life's most important questions. And it's this, what part of the problem is me? Mm. 
And I said, well, like, what do you mean? And, and I, I remember saying to him, well, I'm not part of the problem. And he said, no, no, no. Whether you're 1% of the problem or 99% of the problem, uh, regardless of the situation or circumstance, you need to ask yourself that question. That question, and more importantly, the answer will set you free. Mm. And I think you'll be able to move on with your life. And so I started asking that question. I started doing the deep work of prayer and reflection. And for the first time in a long time, actually seeking counsel and taking feedback. And um, so my life, you know, God started to kind of put my life back together. And, and I met this gal. Her name was Ashley. And she had two kids from a previous marriage, uh, Audrey and Claire. They were five and three. And today, Audrey and Claire are my two oldest daughters. Uh, Ashley is my wife. Uh, we got married. And I think what God knew is that he was preparing me for something far greater than an opportunity in financial services. He was preparing me to be a dad and a husband. And sometimes he's got to do something you know, in you before he can do something with you. And I think what he knew is, boy, if Jordan doesn't work on this pride and this idolatry, which I'm still working on, by the way, uh, if he doesn't get that right, he's, he's really not going to be the father and the husband that I created him to be. So, uh, so Gary, I moved back home, Heather, I moved back home and, and uh, I was in Iowa, but I knew because I married Ashley and I wasn't, I wasn't going to pursue some other opportunity anywhere else. I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just open this coaching thing. I'll, I'll kind of coach a few people on the side. I can't really explain it. God blessed it, um, open doors. And that was five years ago. And uh, we look back at God's faithfulness and the way that he's uh, created opportunity for us. And it doesn't make any sense. I didn't play college sports, but yet we get to work with people in the NBA and NFL. I, I didn't really ever do anything uh, academic. I mean, I was a 2.5 GPA from the University of Iowa, but yet I get to work with some really bright people and, and business. And, and anyway, it just, it, it's been a really cool journey. And that's kind of, that's kind of our story of what brought us from financial services to, to the work that we do today. We want to thank Century Insurance for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. They work in about 18 different states, bringing insurance needs to small businesses, construction, and others likewise. They will tailor packages that fit your needs. They can work with bonds, home and auto insurance, life insurance and benefits, as well as health insurance. They will help you through the process of putting together a tailored package that benefits you and serves your family and your clients to its most effective capacity. We appreciate their support. We wanna thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one, they have a sales program, they also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments, they can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this. 
as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com. You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer. And that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. So I want to go back a little bit. You had mentioned you grew up in a small town, Iowa. And when you hit bottom, you had mentioned already that Tim was instrumental in really maybe helping you piece your true direction and the core of your life back together and set your core values. But in those two years going through that process, did your family have influence on you? I mean, because that's that's a deep hole to go into. And so what what was kind of a bit of that process? Because I, I talked to a lot of folks that would go through that and they're not going to go back into financial services. They're going to look to find their way out in a different direction. So it took tremendous humility and courage to just walk back into the same arena that you, for better lack of better purposes, got sent out of. And how was that? I mean, do you want to, could you, could you expound on that a little bit? Because I want folks to understand they can hit rock bottom. You're <laughs> only going to stay there if that's where you choose to stay. Mm-hmm. But it's mm. choices we make each day that change how we think, how we behave, and what we do. So I don't know if you have a response to that. Yeah, it's so true, Gary, because people will say stuff like this. You know, they'll say, well, adversity builds character. And I always say, well, that's not entirely true. Um, Because I've met a lot of people who've been through adversity that are still dealing with adversity. And many times greater adversity. Their life is actually kind of spiraled out of control or they're still in, in the valley. It's not getting better. So the way that sentence needs to go is adversity builds character if you allow it to, Mm -hmm. but it is still a choice. And again, by God's grace, I had some great people around me that helped me kind of get back on my feet. I don't think we do that alone. And we certainly do it with, with God's grace. I did it with God's grace, but yeah, family was a big part of that. Um, Yeah. Full disclosure. I remember my dad had to write me a $10,000 check. My brother and his wife wrote me a $10,000 check so that I wouldn't have to file uh, bankruptcy or, or take some sort of a loan. And then Tim Bohannon also stepped in and really helped me financially. So literally there was like people stepping up, not just emotionally to offer support, but literally financially making sure that I didn't, you know, that I wasn't going to enter into financial ruin. And um, so I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, you know, cool part about Tim Bohannon, I, I, when I, when I left Tim, and I knew I was kind of leaving him high and dry. I didn't really fulfill. I mean, I, he said, go home and marry Ashley, go build a life. But what I knew that meant was I was going to leave Tim before I was supposed to. And I never really, I never really did much. I mean, I, I just, he just had to deal with all my problems and help me get back on my feet. And then when I was finally back on my feet and I could have maybe earned some money for the organization and created some impact, it was like, Hey Tim, I'm going to take off. And I fully expected him to say, um, well, I need you to repay you know, I mean, I've given you office space and staff and I've supported you financially. And um, I fully expected him to say, hey, let's kind of work out a repayment plan. Uh, this is, this will make me emotional. It was, it was um, like love and care and grace that I've never experienced in my whole life. He just said, uh, I want you to go build a life and you'll be able to do that for somebody else someday. And, and Joey and I, his wife, 
Joel and Joe, Joey and I are, we're going to support you and we're here for you and we love you. And, and they let me go back home. And, um, so you asked that question about, you know, who was there for you? Was family a part of that? And I, I just considered Tim and Joey part of my family and they, right. they let me, they let me go home and build a life. And it was, it was pretty special. Well, I think there's, uh, something that motivates and drives all of us as humans and money clearly in America can be maybe one of those things, but there's a huge return on investing in others and a fulfillment that I know I feel. I, I see how you respond to it. Um, I know, you know, Heather will get off a call with a client and it's so rewarding to see the difference that makes. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, I'd do that for free if I could. <laughs> it's It's yeah. so rewarding. And so when you see people like that, that, you know, such as Tim, I mean, it just makes you want to pay forward and help yeah. others. That's that's what I kept hearing in my head as well as the pay it forward. And Tim sounds like really gave you that opportunity. Do you enter into when you're meeting with clients? Do you go in with that mindset? I think we have to because, you know, I, I think about the scriptures like in Philippians, you know, that um, talks about a Jesus came to serve not to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And I'm a person of faith. And so we, you know, we don't, I don't go around telling people, Hey, you have to believe this, but I, I do talk about my faith. And I, I, my belief is that Jesus was the most impactful leader to ever walk the planet. Correct. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think we can learn a lot from him that he came to serve, not to be served. And he considered others ahead of himself. And so there was a lot of humility and how he chose to lead and impact people. Even though he was Jesus, he was the, he was the son of God. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think for me, I have to remember, hey, this is how Jesus did it. And if he's the ultimate role model in my life, then maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to try that model too. I mean, I think that's, I think that is the path forward, Heather. I think that's, that's leadership. I think that's valuing other people. And so, um, yeah, it, it doesn't always come natural. I'll admit that, but I, but I do think it's the path forward and it's the way that we lead. Yeah. You had talked a little bit ago about your uh, goals and values aligning. I'm sure at this point you have a very clear set of goals and your values, I'm sure, are intact. Is there a process or what do you, how do you, uh, what would you recommend to the listeners to maybe even as a measurement to make sure that they can check to make sure that they're, they're aligning that correctly? Because I'll, I'll work with clients, I guess, I'll just share this. And I've had them go through an exercise and say, you know, where, where do you want to be? Let's say you live to be 85 years old. You know, what's, what does that look like if you're going to write a paragraph to summarize your life? And I've had them come back and tell me that they've had to change their direction of their business because it didn't even align. Their business goals did not align with their personal goals. So that's, I think, where when I hear you speak, I think about what is our personal goal? What is our end mission? What does Jordan, Gary, Heather, what do we want to accomplish at the very end? So that's usually where I like to start with folks, but I guess I'd like for you to share a little bit, maybe your perspective on that. Love that question. And I think in the coaching world, and, you, and the two of you can relate to this, um, I think in the, in the leadership space from the coaching world, I'm oftentimes so interested and how many people can describe their professional goals with pretty great detail. But if I ask them, well, what do you want to accomplish as a mother or as a father? Or how do you want to grow your marriage this year? Or 
you know, how do you plan to contribute to your community? They can't, they can't always articulate that the same way. Yet those, those same people would say, well, those areas of my life are definitely more important than my business. So I think that's the struggle that so many of us face is we're sort of conditioned to have really clear goals and a a clear plan to grow our business or to make money. Um, Yet very few people have a clear plan to grow their marriage or to, to grow in their, in their parenting journey. Um, Mark Batterson said it this way. He said, I want to be respected most by people who know me the best. And that really resonated with me, but like, man, if I am a hall of fame speaker, but I'm not a hall of fame dad, then what was my life really worth anyway? Mm. Or if I'm a hall of fame, you know, coach, but I'm not a hall of fame husband, then, then did I really, did I really do what God created me to do on this earth? And so you asked that question, I guess, you know, for me, I I'm, I'm working really hard right now to, um, to win at home uh, because I do travel a lot. We have a newborn and I think, you know, when you have a new, a newborn child, when you have little kids, you just, you start to look at life a different way. And so um, trying to create experiences with them and, you know, Ashley and I, we, we do marriage coaching once a month and people always ask us like, well, why do you do that? Or what's, you know, what's going on or everything. Okay. And, you know, we get to say everything's pretty good actually, you know, by God's grace, like we, we get to do this and we do this so that we can stay strong and healthy, not because something's wrong. And, and so, um, so right now I'm in a season of really trying to lean in with my family. It hasn't always been that way. I mean, I just shared my background. I think coming from a man who uh, struggled so much with pride, ego, and idolatry, I've had to work really hard to kind of overcorrect that and, and make sure that those things don't get a grip on my life. And so, and I think, you know, John Choate is there with you too. He knows me really well and knows that um, he knows that's part of my struggle. And so, I think I have to, you know, I got to put my wife on my calendar. I have to put my kids on my calendar. I have to really dig in and be disciplined about the family side of things because if I'm not disciplined about those things, uh, my calendar will become full of a bunch of stuff that really is secondary in this life. And, you know, I think oftentimes the stress that we feel, the frustration that we feel is the difference between how we spend our time and what we say we value. And I don't, I don't want, you know, as I look back on my life, I don't want to say, wow, well, I, I spent my time over here, even though I, I valued this stuff. I want, I want to make sure that those two things were congruent. So we have some business goals, working on a book, um, doing some really cool stuff in the speaking world. But at the end of the day, I, I think right now my, my top priority is just honoring my family and, and, and winning at, on the home front. I love that. I, uh, let me know when that book's out. We'll get you back on here to promote that for you. Uh, I will share this. Okay. 06, 07, 08, for anybody that's old enough to have lived through that, I was into real estate a lot during that period of time, and it was not a fun time to be in real estate at all. And as a consequence, because of some of lack of planning on my part, I had to uh, really, you know, sell some things off and, you know, conf- move move back a little bit and take a step back. My kids joke about how, oh, that's, and they just, they didn't realize it at the time, but they realize it now that, oh, dad, that's when you sold our toys. And, you know, they're talking about four wheelers and go-karts and we had all that stuff. Fun stuff. And, but at the same time, we kept like a boat and there were certain things that happened that we were a lot more intentional about family time. 
And they talk about all those little things that we did, the bonfires in the backyard and, you know, inviting friends over because it was cheap to, you know, cook some hot dogs over the fire. And it was just that transition. So I challenge any young uh, family. It's those memories that are incredible. And just from kids being older, it's amazing to me what they do remember. And it's not so often that really nice trip. It's some trip we were on and something crazy that happened while on that trip. So uh, you truly are on a journey with people close to you. And I appreciate your humility and your focus on family and being intentional. Um, I run into this with business owners a lot of times. And if they're struggling with personal relationships, it's a, it's a really tough struggle to get their focus right in their, in their business as well. And there's times these are family businesses and then it makes it even more unique because that dysfunction starts to create, you know, as they get older and have their own families, you're creating uh, more dysfunction amongst that. So I applaud you for one, but I want to take that opportunity for listeners to really listen to what Jordan just shared about focusing on what is most important and having that clear vision of that as you, as you plan your life, as you go through that process. Heather, let's shift gears just a little bit here. We've got a question here that I think would be fun because I remember this from my perspective. Yeah. But do you remember the first event you spoke at, like a coaching gig speaking, not just getting up and doing an industry conversation? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I remember when we pivoted to do the work that we're doing today. Yes, and I know we're coming up on time, so I'll, I'll give you the abbreviated version. But uh, yeah, I'd done a lot of like industry speaking, but I hadn't done as much like, um, you know, outside, you know, outside the financial services industry. And um, yeah, I just, you know, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so bad. Like <laughs> I said stuff that didn't make sense. I, I think I, I had like some, I developed some sort of accent. <laughs> Um, like even like what I wore didn't look right. Uh, it was, it was, and, and in fact, I'll go back even further in the financial services space. I remember one of my first gigs, I think we all do this a little bit. I think we over, we overestimate how good we are at communicating. Um, and I definitely did that. And I remember um, I had a guy pull me aside after I gave one of my first big presentations and I thought I just nailed it. I thought, man, that went really well. And he pulled me aside and he said, pretty, pretty good job today. And he started giving me some stuff that went well. Have you ever had those conversations, you know, like oh, yeah. they're <laughs> setting you up for the gut punch. And then he said, um, but you know, um, I, I heard barely anything that you said oh. because you talked so fast. I caught like half your message. And I remember thinking, oh, you're an old curmudgeon. You don't, you don't get us millennials, you know, um, and he was, he was so right. Uh, I got feedback later that year through a 360 feedback analysis, you know, anonymous feedback. Nine out of 10 people said, when it came to my communication, I talked too fast. And so um, anyway, I'm just learning a lot about, you know, watching the game film and doing reflection mm -hmm. on, I, ho I hope that never stops, by the way. I hope five years from now, I'm looking back on today saying the same thing, like, wow, I, I'm, I've really changed or grown. I, I hope I'm not. Anyway, I, yeah, I, um, it's painful sometimes to reflect on those early, but, but it's good to reflect on them, right? I mean, to just remember where you came from and where you started. 
It really is. It's uh, interesting too. You can write out your whole speech and forget over half of it so quickly. And then if yeah. you do remember, you're going like, where do you, I just remember yeah, that whole thing. How do you tie thing. it how back I, in? Yeah, how do I bring <laughs> it back? And so, uh, Right. So what are some of your biggest takeaways from those, those early days? Well, I would never watch the game film. Like I always tell people, speakers, anybody who communicates publicly for a living, you got to watch the game film. Yeah. You know, athletes watch the film, musicians watch the film, play it back, watch it, study it, record it. Um, and I didn't do that. And so it's pretty hard to make changes. You can't fix what you're not willing to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. So I had to start acknowledging the areas where I fell short and really dissecting the film to then make improvements and changes. And then get feedback, you know, from people who are willing to be honest. That was a big one. Heather, like, I had to start, you know, hey, hit me. I don't need another pat on the back. I need you to tell me what I have to fix or change. And that was, that, that created some real breakthroughs as well. So for anybody listening that speaks, even semi publicly, or even if you're one-on-one, just record yourself, watch the game film and get real honest feedback from people who are willing to give you the truth. Well, if people want to, if people want to advance professionally, communication is really what it's all about. And communication comes in so many forms other than even the words that are coming out of our mouth. And right. listening is a big piece of that. And I think if there's anything I've learned, when you start to do the, you know, race through it, uh, you, you're not even getting, you're not giving people time to even give you body language and interact. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't even get them involved in it. But with all of that, uh, we work a lot with small businesses, a little bit different. I think you're focused a lot on financial and uh, professional sports, but um, we talk a lot about leadership. And it's, it's, you know, I like to even liken leadership. It doesn't matter because it's not a position. And I love to s- go in and speak to a company and then have the 16-year-old that comes in after <laughs> high school and he's sweeping floors. And I love to ask them, you know, you know, what, what's your leadership role? And they're kind of caught off guard. They're, you know, they don't even want to be talked to at that point. And I just explain to them that it's just influence and showing up on time and doing the right things really makes all the difference and they can influence people that have been there 10 and 20 years by showing respect and doing the correct things so that they can influence those. And I believe more than anything, leadership is just simply influence. I mean, our friend John Maxwell talks about that a lot. So you're, I'm I'm not going to take that as my own. That's his. But when you're talking to young leaders, what advice would you give them and kind of what's the process you'd like them to think about as they're trying to maybe move up through in an organization and figure out how they can advance their career if that's the direction they want to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, I think, you know, honor produces access. And if we want to lead up, we got we to gotta learn to honor the people around us uh, with the way that we care for them, the way that we support them, the way that we acknowledge them. You know, we often talk about leading down. We very seldom talk about leading up. And I'm just learning that honor is a huge, a huge part of that, you know. And um, I think as young people, we're so quick to share our opinion or our thoughts. We aren't great at listening. Uh, I've been a bad listener most of my career. I need to do a better job of listening. And even when I disagree, we, we can actually, you can actually honor somebody that you don't respect, um, which is, which is, you know, most people struggle with that. Like, Wait a minute. I'm like, no, listen, I, I don't have to agree with somebody to acknowledge them, to listen, to, to sit in their presence. Um, and boy, we could, we could run it back and schedule another episode. I know we probably both have to jump here. Um, I got a, a, a meeting here cause I got on late and did not honor time. <laughs> um, so interesting, interesting transition, but 
but yeah, I, I think leading up is just a, is just such a critical part of organizational health and something that we really need to continue to teach and talk about. Well, with that, Jordan, I want to thank you for joining us on Mindset Growth Podcast. Uh, I would like for you to just real quickly say, where can people find content if they want to listen to your information and learn more about you? Yeah, MontgomeryCompanies.com is our website. Uh, we're fairly active on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Send me a message if you're listening. If I can be helpful with my friend, Pat on. Answer a question, share some perspective. would love to engage. So, uh, Gary, Heather, truly appreciate this opportunity. And uh, I know John's around there in the background somewhere. Shout out to John. We love John. He's a dear friend and such John. a huge part of what we do as a company. I know he's meant the world to the two of you. So just uh, love what you all are doing and, and all the impact that you're creating. Keep, keep leading. I will share this real quick, briefly, listeners. Jordan's one of the people I follow on social media. I appreciate his content. It's something I see every day. It's part of my process. I have a list of people that I follow and watch. A lot of it because I know uh, how he grew up and where he came from and his connections to some of my uh, family. So I really appreciate the process, Jordan, and the vulnerability that you've displayed today. I know it makes a different difference in other people's lives. So I appreciate that. With that, we wish you the best here at Mindset Growth Podcast. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Heather. I uh, appreciate y'all and uh, value your friendship. So thanks <laughs> Thank for you. having me today. Thanks, you have a Jordan. great day, thanks Jordan. Thanks for being right, on. Be well. Take care.